I want to dive into this better than expected non-farm payrolls this Friday morning, uh, the release of and market reaction to, and well, Larry Shover, the chief investment officer at D. Alexander Capitals, joining us to do just that. Larry, another big beat here. First of all, sorry, thanks for joining us this Friday morning. Uh, appreciate you dialing in to be with us. A, a big number here. They were looking for 400,000. We got 678. Your initial thoughts? Um, difficult to interpret. Big you know, time. Even without the distortions from last month uh, and the month prior, uh, I could see a knee-jerk reaction. I'd rather see a big beat than, than not, but center stage right now is, you know, Ukraine and Russia, the implications on uh, curb compression, break-evens, inflation, and can the Fed fight it? So, yeah, it's great to see a blowout. The proxies before this were kind of split uh, with regards to the numbers that came out before today's number. Um, so it was kind of a coin toss. I expect a knee-jerk reaction, but not much more than that. You know, a little bit of a surprise here when you think about it. We're looking at the numbers here. Average hourly earnings on a month-over-month basis, 0.0% well below the uh, half percent increase they were looking for. Now, they did revise last month, it looks like, to 0.6% on a month-over-month um, again. And I'm looking at it, it was 0.7. So a small revision down there. But taking a look at the average hourly earnings on a year-over-year basis at 5.1%, well below the 5.8%. So, which is kind of interesting because, uh, Larry, we've been hearing about how we need to uh, pay workers more ultimately to bring them in, but it looks like they've been uh, kind of working their way out of the woodwork on their own. Again, the wages didn't really kind of hit that nerve, so to say, in terms of investors and traders. You saw the indices uptick a little bit. I've got uh, yields, which are actually coming off a little bit as we speak here. So uh, maybe more tied to that wages component and, and uh, it not really uh, fueling the fire in terms of some of those inflation concerns. Yeah, exactly. And when it comes to, to wages, and, and the argument really has been uh, we, we've seen a rally in wages, no doubt, but it hasn't been uh, smooth. It's been in certain pockets of the uh, income uh, spectrum, and it has not been, like, consistent per se. So that, that combined with... Uh, the participation rate, and you have the older uh, people my age uh, just getting out of the workforce, just kind of distorts the numbers a little bit. And I think that's why we see some of these really blowout numbers, but perhaps it's not telling, like, the real story. And a market, you know, that doesn't get surprised by it, and that's why we see this reaction. Uh, Larry, talk to me. I've got the unemployment rate a downtick from 4% to 3.8. They were looking for 3.9%, so better than expected there as well. This really keeps the Fed on firm footing headed into that March meeting. Yeah, I think it does. I mean, I think that's what, what when you look at, like, the, uh, the um, yield curve, when you look at real rates and break-evens, I mean, it's all serving to put the Fed's rate normalization ambitions into proper context. And it's like, it, there doesn't seem to be much out there to suggest that they're not going to hike, you know, on March 16th. Um, and so when you have, you know, numbers like this, I think it's just serving to put everything into context. And I think the big outlier right now is that can the Fed properly fight inflation with all the outliers going on with regards to Russia and Ukraine?
Larry, in terms of fighting inflation, you and I have talked about some of the tools they have running off the balance sheet, uh, obviously rate hikes, and we talked about how uh, one sort of uh, could potentially reduce the need for the other if they were to get a little bit more aggressive in terms of reducing uh, that balance sheet ultimately. But I guess I'm wondering, crude oil prices at these levels, the geopolitical tensions in Russia, uh, does this mean that they ultimately will need to be a little bit less aggressive than the 7-8 that we had been hearing about a few weeks ago with the uh, most recent developments? I mean, this is uh, slowing many expectations in terms of uh, economic growth here, not only in the U.S., but globally for that matter. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, uh, without having a crystal ball, like who knows, right? Yeah, but yeah. I look at uh, things like the persistent curb compression. Look at the, you know, the 210 uh, hit 25.7 basis points overnight. The surge in break-evens. We're, the break-evens for 10 years is like back to where it was in November. And that, if we recall, back in November is when people were calling into question the Fed's ability to fight inflation. And then lastly, I look at real rates. I, mean, I think it's so important because they're now back to negative 100. Mm-hmm. And just like three weeks ago, they were negative 40. So yeah. I think that's the things you have to look at. How about uh, European rates? What are you seeing there? I mean, they've been coming off as well uh, with some of the uncertainty and the unease. Yeah. Uh, no, they, they definitely have been, um, perhaps even more dramatically so than ours. Hmm. Because if you recall, before this all uh, broke out, uh, there was this outlier that became more normal in the market that, hey, maybe the ECB is going to do something or act or announce something by the end of this year. And that's slowly but swiftly been taken yeah. off the table. So, yeah, we've seen that everywhere. Wanted to uh, just point out, we were looking at the euro currency earlier. If we could pull it up here in terms of uh, some of the weakness, it has really come off recently, accelerating to the downside. And I do think, again, partially tied to that rate differential, as you mentioned, the ECB a lot less aggressive uh, relative to some of the other central banks this week, the BOC. Uh, in terms of uh, commodities here, though, you just mentioned crude oil and the impact that has on economic conditions. I guess, uh, Larry, in terms of this run-up in energies, I guess I'm wondering, uh, is there any end in sight? Are you hearing anything in terms of uh, uh, anything that could reduce some of these pressures? Iranian oil, potentially. Biden, uh, the administration, changing some of their policies. Uh, again, is there any off-ramp in terms of this run-up? Yeah. I mean, we all know that the cure to high prices is high prices, right? And I don't mean to be glib about yeah. it, right? But. We, things can change in a hurry. We, we just got news overnight that a top international atomic energy agency is, is to meet with Iran on Saturday. Mm-hmm. That could change in a heartbeat. And okay. you know, also both U.S. and Germany have expressed opposition to Russian embargo. And the fact of the matter is 70 percent of Russian crude oil is just frozen right now in the market. Like yeah. People yeah. aren't accessing it because of the, uh, you know. Nobody the wants to touch it. Of it all. Yeah. Right. And so with that said, it could change in a, in a heartbeat. I'm not suggesting it will, but when it does, it's going to change in a hurry. We're okay. Fine. Okay. I mean, we saw a brief uh, a taste of that yesterday. We got a, a little taste of that when we saw crude oil spike lower on the news that we could get an Iranian uh, nuclear deal as early as this week. And as you mentioned, potentially Saturday, we'll hear some news on that. Um, Larry, we were talking about wheat and corn a minute ago on a technical uh, uh, kind of look at, but uh, beans also, I mean, these commodities across the board, aluminum, nickel, I mean, some of these metals, these are products ultimately that uh, directly impact us as consumers, the industrial side of things as well. I mean, the ripple effect here widespread, I've been saying. Yeah, it is. And I think a lot of it is, uh, not a lot of it, but uh, the the momentum of uh, the dollar. Yeah. Um, Financial conditions are a lot tighter than they were even a month ago. 
And um, supply chains are just kind of on hold, not kind of, they are on hold. And so all that to say, we're seeing lumber prices through the roof. And you had mentioned, like, um, some of the metals prices does not necessarily make technical sense. But when you have financial conditions tightening like this, um, this is something that we have seen before, or at least similar. I want to just pull up a couple charts here. Uh, if we could show, there's the beans. Again, uh, holding bid levels, bid levels we've seen all week, basically, and uh, headed into this morning up on the day. Take a look. Here's palladium and a nice run-up. This is the daily time frame. You can see if higher today, it looks like they're going to be five days to the upside, a sharp move higher. And we're back to levels that we haven't seen since, well, we're talking spring of 2021. I just want to point out, it's not just beans, actually. This week, we saw a little bit of a lift come into play in terms of copper. Uh, on the move higher here, back up into near this 490 level. So uh, this is going to be key to watch. Larry headed into uh, next week as the dust settles from the jobs report. What should we be watching? Yeah, other than the obvious with regards to geopolitical tensions, mm-hmm. we have auction announcements on Tuesday, okay. um, 10-year auction on Wednesday, very important, along with like mortgage applications. Thursday's the big one with the CPI, core CPI inflation figures. And uh, beyond that, um, University of Michigan on Friday. I mean, um, Thursday's the key. Um, of course, uh, the chief thing to watch and to pay attention to is a uh, yield curve and break-evens and real rates in relation to uh, what happens with geopolitical concerns in the weekend. I love it, Larry. Great breakdown. Appreciate you sharing your Friday with us. Always good to have you on the show. Larry Shover is the chief investment officer at D. Alexander Capital.